Hello and welcome to the Vet Professionals Cat Cafe podcast series. My name is Sarah Caney. I'm an RCVS specialist in feline medicine and founder of vetprofessionals.com. I've worked as a feline-only vet for more than 25 years now and I decided to set up a virtual cat cafe during the COVID-19 lockdown in March 2020 as a way of keeping in touch with cat owners and sharing my tips on cat care. The following podcast was recorded as a cat cafe Zoom webinar on the 17th of September 2020 and you can watch the recording on the video tutorial page of vetprofessionals.com. To find the video tutorial page, look under the helpful info menu. And then once on the video tutorial page, click on the Cat Cafe tab. In this session, I talk about hypothyroidism, a very common condition of elderly cats. It's estimated to affect about 10% of cats over the age of 10 years. I talk about which cats are most vulnerable to this condition, how a carer can spot signs of hypothyroidism in their cat at home, and lastly, how vets can confirm the diagnosis. Treatment of hypothyroidism is going to be covered in a separate session on the 30th of September. Thanks for choosing to listen to this podcast. I hope you find it interesting and of help in your pet care. Good afternoon and thank you for joining me for this session which is the first of two sessions on hypothyroidism in cats and this may be a condition that some of you have experience of because it is probably one of the more common uh, older cat diseases and happily it's one that often we're able to manage very successfully. Talking more about treatment in the next session, in today's session I'm going to really focus on what this disease is and how we can best diagnose um, from a carer perspective, what are the sorts of clues of hypothyroidism that might be helpful for you to be aware of if you've not previously had a cat with hypothyroidism? Um, so what are the sorts of things that will let you know that perhaps this is something to consider? And I do have, uh, amongst other resources on the website, um, two versions of the same book, Caring for a Cat with Hypothyroidism, a print version and an electronic version. The electronic version is slightly more up to date. Obviously, there's no print costs with doing an electronic version. And that is the, um, the bottom picture here, um, which was updated a few years ago. The print version is just very slightly older. Um, and so it's missing, for example, some information on a liquid treatment for hypothyroidism which I will mention in next time's session as well. So just by way of, of introduction to this topic um, this is one of my patients from actually many many years ago but a patient that's still very um, precious in my memory. Um, she taught me a lot about hypothyroidism. This is a cat called Anna and uh, she was an elderly cat that I saw as a referral patient so I wasn't her everyday vet but she was presented to me for treatment of her hypothyroidism um, and in fact she's featured in in the book that I just mentioned um, because she had been quite a difficult patient to stabilize. 
And at the time of presentation, um, Anna was suffering from some of the, the really commonly um, encountered clinical signs of hypothyroidism in that um, I think you can appreciate from this photo, even though it is a little bit out of focus, that she's very thin. She's lost a lot of weight. Her bones of her legs in particular, you can actually see on this photo, she looks very angular, very thin. Um, and that was in spite of her having a really voracious appetite. And her owner, who was also quite elderly, had actually taken to sleeping downstairs on the sofa so she could feed Anna through the night because Anna was so hungry. And she was eating vast quantities of cat food. Um, but yet was losing weight. And this is often a hallmark of hypothyroidism. Something else that I think you can also appreciate in this photograph is she doesn't look very happy. She's got quite an anxious expression on her face. She looks decidedly uh, grumpy, um, unhappy about life in general. And anxiety, irritability and other behavioural changes are another common feature that we often see in cats suffering from hypothyroidism. So I mentioned she was referred to me. She was referred to me because she, uh, her owner had been trying to manage her hypothyroidism with tablets, um, and one of the treatments that I'll talk about next time. And unfortunately, um, that had not been going very well. Anna was a very difficult um, cat to handle. Um, very, um, again, her irritability, her anxiety just made her really very unhappy to be handled. And she was almost impossible to give a pill to. So she was referred to me really because her owner was wanted to consider another treatment option which was available at the centre I was working in, which was radioiodine. This is where we give a, an injection of radioactive iodine. Um, and as I'll explain next week, that can work very effectively to treat the hypothyroidism. And the good news is that for Anna, this photo was taken a day before she came to see me. It was her owner um, took this photo um, as uh, I think is a, a natural sort of instinct before your cat is referred. You think, oh, I'll just take a photo because I love my cat and I'm not quite sure what's going to happen. They obviously had a lot of anxiety about uh, the hypothyroidism and the treatment, um, but she did absolutely brilliantly. And in fact, her owner kept in touch with me following treatment. And this photo was taken just a few months later probably two or three months after her radioiodine treatment and you can see what a different cat she looks now she's got a very contented expression on her face and she's obviously gained weight she looks in fact a little bit I would say on the plump side um, so she is now in much much better condition um, and she went on to, to live for several years um, and enjoy a very healthy old age thanks to treatment of her thyroid disease so if this is not a condition you've you've seen before or, or had a, a cared for a cat with, one of the first things to say is that it often is very manageable, very treatable as a condition. And often we do get really good results with treatment, as is the case in Anna. And you can see beautifully shown in these photos. So let's now go back and talk a little bit more about um, the thyroids, what they do and how this disease arises and, and how we diagnose it. So. Cats like ourselves um, have thyroid tissue, uh, which is normally located in the neck. And uh, there are actually two lobes, two parts to the, the thyroid. And, and actually some debate as to whether the cat has one thyroid in two parts or whether two thyroids are present. Um, but essentially there are these two portions of thyroid tissue, just often just below the larynx, either side of the trachea, which is the, the windpipe in the body. 
and in the photo uh, shown on this slide I'm feeling the thyroids to see if, if the, one or other of the thyroid glands is enlarged and in a normal cat we should not be able to feel the thyroid tissue so it should be very very tiny and not possible to feel. If you can feel the thyroid, that's an indication usually that there is an abnormality, that the thyroid is enlarged. And in fact, the medical term for an enlarged thyroid is a goiter. So if you hear people talk about goiter, what that means is that one or both of the thyroids is enlarged and therefore palpable. And palpable is the medical term that we use for something we can feel. So very typically, a cat with hypothyroidism will have a palpable goiter, which, as I've just mentioned, is abnormal. And in fact, uh, the, the photograph on this slide shows a cat being prepared for thyroid surgery, which is one of the treatment options that we can do. And within that red oval, hopefully you can actually see the enlarged thyroid. So now that we've trimmed the fur off, we've prepared that area surgically, even without feeling, we can see those in, in large thyroids and typically they are of this sort of size so they're like a pea-sized swelling sometimes bigger than that but usually just at about pea size. Um, most cats do have a palpable goiter but some cats with hypothyroidism don't and so it is not an absolute requirement to make the diagnosis because there are actually some good reasons why a cat might not have a palpable goiter such as for example cats like Anna in fact were almost impossible she was almost impossible to examine because she was so agitated and unhappy as a result of her hypothyroidism that we really just couldn't feel her neck for long enough to determine whether there was a goiter there sometimes the goiter is also very very small can be difficult to feel and conversely sometimes they're very large and actually what tends to happen then is that they'll slide down the neck just sort of sliding down with gravity and sit just inside the chest cavity so you can't feel the thyroid uh, in that situation although sometimes what will happen is that an owner might say oh I could feel something um, in the uh, in the neck and um, then it disappeared and if that is the case then that might be uh, this might be one sort of possibility and very rarely as well sometimes we'll have what we call ectopic thyroid tissue that is causing um, hypothyroidism and that's ectopic uh, thyroid tissue is just thyroid tissue that's not quite in the right location so that might be um, ectopic thyroid tissue that is within the chest um, or underneath the tongue sometimes and in fact it can it can arise anywhere from the base of the tongue right down to about the heart level within the chest and of course if your cat has a lump involving ectopic thyroid tissue, um, if it's inside the chest, you won't be able to feel it. So what do the thyroid glands do? Well, they produce thyroid hormones and there are two thyroid hormones, T3 and T4. And uh, I've put their, their full names also on this slide. So T4 is thyroxine and uh, it's called T4 because it has four iodide molecules within it. So iodine is needed to make thyroid hormone. T3, triiodothyronine, has three iodide uh, molecules in it. And the thyroid hormones act on all of the cells of the body, um, having a number of effects. So, for example, increasing metabolic rate, 
increasing heart rate um, and uh, cardiac output, um, also increasing blood pressure quite often, um, increasing bowel movement um, and increasing brain activity. And that's why we can see these range of symptoms, which I'll talk, to, talk about in a bit more detail in a moment, such as the hyperactive cat that Anna was, also the weight loss uh, that we also have so far described as being present in Anna, um, but often uh, blood pressure, high blood pressure can be a complication we see with this condition. And in addition to that, these, these cats with hypothyroidism tend to spend more, uh, less time rather asleep. They are more active, more agitated, so uh, resting less. What causes hyperthyroidism? Well, usually it's a benign condition, so it's not typically caused by a cancer, but it's typically caused by overgrowth of the thyroid tissue, what we call adenomatous hyperplasia. So it's, uh, as I say, it's not a cancerous overgrowth of tissue, but the thyroid is growing more and it's it's essentially lost its, its control from the brain. So normally the pituitary keeps the thyroid under control and everything is fine-tuned to, to do what we called maintaining homeostasis, which is basically keeping everything the same day by day. But a cat with hyperthyroidism, the thyroid is now working autonomously. It's taken control of its destiny, if you like, and it is now overproducing that thyroid hormone. And that thyroid hormone is then going on to work on all of the cells of the body to cause those clinical signs, which we've touched on and we'll come back to in just a moment. Most often, both of the thyroids are affected, so what we would call a bilateral condition. Um, but in some cats, it starts as a unilateral condition, so just one of the thyroids, the left or the right, involved to start off with. But quite often, with time, it will affect the other side as well. And as I've already mentioned, that enlarged thyroid is often palpable, so we will feel this goiter that we've already talked about. When it comes to what causes hyperthyroidism, we have less answers than I, I would like to be able to share with you. It does appear that this is a relatively new disease. So it was first described in the late 1970s by Dr. Mark Peterson, who is an American veterinary endocrinologist and a, a complete hero in the world of hyperthyroidism. He has published a huge number of, of papers based on the thousands of cats that he has seen with hyperthyroidism in his clinics. And we don't know at the moment the precise cause. Uh, it may well be multiple factors are involved, but certainly it appears it's not the same as hyperthyroidism in people. Uh, Graves' disease is a common cause of hyperthyroidism in people, and uh, certainly cats, that, that what we see does not appear to be similar to that. There are some research studies that have uh, shown changes in uh, the receptor for the thyroid stimulating hormone, which is this hormone that comes from the pituitary to control the thyroid. And as you can see on this slide, I've also mentioned this, this G proteins that have been affected. So at a, a very molecular cellular level, people have found changes. But in terms of understanding what's caused those changes, we're still a little bit in the dark. There certainly do appear to be some risk factors. We know for a start that this is a 
common condition of older cats, but there also may well be some dietary and environmental factors. Um, often people will report anecdotally that hypothyroidism tends to be more common in certain geographical areas. Uh, some people seem to be very unlucky with having multiple cats with hypothyroidism uh, in their household. So uh, environmental um, pollutants, for example, also diets um, have been considered as, as possible risk factors. And there is some data to uh, indicate that levels of iodine in the food might be important. And uh, fish flavoured cat foods came up as a risk factor in one study uh, that was published some time ago as well. But there's nothing at the moment which we can say with certainty, well, do this or don't do this and you will protect your cat from hypothyroidism. So there's, there's certainly at this stage not enough data for me to be able to give you really useful advice on how to prevent it in your cat because we just we just don't know the answer to that question. There also definitely are some genetic factors. Some breeds of cats, uh, Siamese and Himalayan, for example, seem to be a little bit protected from hypothyroidism. They suffer from it less often, but they still get it. So if you have got a Siamese or Himalayan cat with compatible clinical signs, definitely don't rule out the possibility of hypothyroidism. Cats most at risk definitely are the older cats and a typical age that a cat will be um, at the time of diagnosis of hypothyroidism is over the age of 10. So 10 to 13 years would be very, very typical age point. And in fact, less than 5% of reported cases are seen in cats younger than the age of seven. So whilst it has been reported, there was actually one case report of an eight month old kitten with hypothyroidism. That is really, really rare. So it's primarily an older cat illness um, and primarily I think uh, not uh, gender discriminatory so males and females roughly equal although um, there are a few studies that have indicated slightly more females it's still very close to 50 50 um, so there's not an overwhelming gender predisposition and in most countries of the world it is estimated to affect about 10 percent of cats over the age of 10 so it is pretty common Clinical signs that you see do vary according to how long the disease has been present and also whether there's other illness. And as we know, older cats are vulnerable to a range of other illnesses. And if you have more than one illness, then uh, you're more likely to have a combination of clinical signs and, and some of those clinical signs might appear worse. For example, cats with hypothyroidism tend to drink a little bit more than a healthy cat, but cats with kidney disease also tend to drink more and so do cats with diabetes. So if you have a combination of those that might contribute to a bigger thirst for example. So what are the most common uh, clues of hypothyroidism that you might see as a carer? Well, weight loss is the absolute number one. This is the most frequently reported clinical sign. The challenge though, unfortunately, with spotting weight loss uh, as a carer is that when you live with your cat or your cats every day, it's very hard to spot gradual insidious weight loss. And that is the typical picture for a cat with hypothyroidism. 
So um, if you are able to monitor your cat's body weight as they get older, that can be helpful because weight loss is a really helpful, non-specific indicator of many illnesses of which hypothyroidism is just one. And uh, for example, if you have a cat that's aged uh, 11 years or over, then at the very least, I would say weigh it twice a year, even if you think everything is absolutely fine. But there would be some rationale for weighing that cat once a month and just logging that monthly weight and if you see that things are going down in a very definite trend, then even if that weight loss is quite gradual, unless you're doing something different at home, trying to help your cat lose weight, if it's overweight, for example, um, then you should consult your vet and uh, ask for their advice in terms of further assessment. And another key thing about the cat with hypothyroidism losing weight is that uh, the weight loss will be seen in association with a typically a normal or even an increased appetite. So if your cat is, is losing weight and it's eating masses of cat food, this is one of those uh, uh, conditions that should really be flagged up as a possibility to you. There are other conditions that also will cause similar signs, though. It's not the only one. What else might you see? Well, you might see an increase in thirst and amount of urine passed per day. So if your cat is indoor only and has only certain um, areas they can access water, this is likely to be more obvious to you. Um, and similarly, if your cat uses a litter box and it's a clumping litter where it's very easy to see how many times a day the cat is passing urine and roughly how much the size of those urine clumps, then again, you might be able to spot, well, actually you use to urinate twice a day now it's three times a day and again um, this is not the only condition which can affect um, amount of urine passed um, but it is definitely one of them that we would want to think about the increase in thirst with hypothyroidism is usually not that dramatic. So compared to a cat with diabetes that often is extremely thirsty, a cat with hypothyroidism, it, it's more subtle, but you would probably notice it so that the cat's spending just a little bit more time at the water bowl than in the past. A non-specific change of hypothyroidism, which you might also see, would include coat changes. Often this is something reported by carers that just the coat appears more dull or perhaps there is some dandruff in it, um, just not as glossy, shiny and healthy looking as normal. Um, so if you are worried about that, again, is, this is not a very specific change. It's not, um, hypothyroidism is definitely not the only thing that could do this, um, but it would be uh, one possibility, particularly again in that older cat. Gastrointestinal signs, vomiting and diarrhea, also very common. And again, there'll be other things that can cause that too. But if you see your cat is just seems a bit more sicky or is having slightly looser stool, hypothyroidism is a possibility. Um, and importantly, behavioural changes. We've mentioned this a little bit already with Anna, who is very anxious and irritable and a bit hyperactive. Um, and that's often seen in cats uh, with um, more advanced hypothyroidism, that they perhaps are more vocal, especially at night, doing this sort of yowling at night, um, perhaps following you around more um, and uh, seeming a little bit... Um, less settled, less uh, relaxed about life. Um, other possibilities, uh, other illnesses can cause these similar signs. High blood pressure would be one. Also cognitive dysfunction syndrome, the cat equivalent of Alzheimer's disease would be another possibility in your older cat. Uh, but hypothyroidism very commonly uh, will result in behavioural changes. 
From a veterinary perspective, um, as I've already mentioned, uh, feeling for a goiter is definitely a really useful part of our assessment because if we feel an enlarged thyroid, that is abnormal. And whilst some cats will have enlarged thyroids and not have hypothyroidism, perhaps uh, they might be in the, uh, the, the subclinical phase of disease or perhaps what we're feeling is something else it's not the thyroid gland um, very often when we do feel a goiter it is because a cat has hypothyroidism so this is how we can do it in in the clinic just uh, feeling that the cat uh, facing straight ahead or turning to one side feeling either side of the larynx and the trachea and sliding the fingers up and down the neck and really trying to see if there is a, a small lump, uh, typically that sort of pea-sized swelling, which will just slide underneath one or both of your fingers, either as you go down the neck or back up again. If a cat has bilateral disease, then of course you may feel that on both sides of the neck. Other clues that we might find when we examine a cat with hypothyroidism would include typically a number of cardiovascular signs. So a very classic cat with hypothyroidism will have a very fast heart rate. Now in the vet clinic, um, often cats will be a little bit anxious, a little bit stressed, and their heart rate therefore may be a little bit higher than it is at home. But if they have hypothyroidism, it can really push that heart rate through the roof. So um, whereas most cats within the clinic might have a heart rate of 150 or 160 beats per minute which is pretty fast a cat with hypothyroidism might have a heart rate of 250 beats per minute so really racing away and we often will hear a heart murmur in in addition to that so um, that again can be uh, you can have heart murmurs with other illnesses high blood pressure would be a classic but also of course primary heart disease can can result in a heart murmur but very commonly seen in hypothyroid cats because their heart becomes remodeled as a result of the hypothyroidism and sometimes we'll hear also what we call a gallop rhythm an extra heart sound as a result of that cardiac remodeling and those uh, cardiac changes present in that cat with hypothyroidism and that too can give us a clue although again there are other things that also um, can cause a, a gallop rhythm in our cats I mentioned high blood pressure a little bit earlier on. Um, probably about 10 to 20% of cats with hypothyroidism have high blood pressure. Um, there's still actually quite a lot of debate as to uh, whether the hypothyroidism causes the high blood pressure or whether actually they're just both common uh, conditions in the same age group of patients. Because what we typically find is that actually following treatment for hypothyroidism, um, those cats that do have high blood pressure, um, the high blood pressure stays high. So we need to treat that high blood pressure separately to the hypothyroidism. So that's still an area of discussion and controversy in the vet world. But certainly it's true to say that many cats with hypothyroidism do have high blood pressure. And then, of course, the rest of our examination at the vet clinic is really important to look for other clues of illness. Um, and because, as I've mentioned earlier on, lots of older cats have more than one illness, uh, a thorough examination is really uh, important to make sure that we identify all of the problems that we're dealing with so we can provide the best management strategy that addresses all of the worries that are going on in that particular patient. This table summarizes the, the common clinical findings from um, 
large numbers of published case studies just to give you an idea of how common each of these different signs are. So weight loss I mentioned was the most frequently reported clinical sign and you'll see it's not actually 100% of cats diagnosed with hypothyroidism where weight loss was reported, it's actually about 90% but it still is, that's the number one feature. So any undiagnosed weight loss it's important to consider thyroid disease as a possibility and then going down the list having a palpable thyroid is very frequently found as well. The cardiac changes like a heart murmur, very frequent. Increased appetite, about half of cats with hypothyroidism. Gastrointestinal signs like vomiting and diarrhea, also quite common. Uh, behavioral changes, about 40% of cats with hypothyroidism. Increased thirst, about a third of cats with hypothyroidism. Skin and coat changes, about a fifth of cats with hypothyroidism. So there is a range of uh, different things that we can look out for. The next step, if we're suspicious of the possibility of hypothyroidism, is to do our best to, to get some lab tests um, so that we can actually confirm our suspicions. And there are, are two sets of lab tests that I would really um, encourage uh, clients of mine to, to do in this situation. The first is what I would call the screening laboratory test. This is our general health tests, blood and urine. And the intention of these is twofold in a hypothyroid cat. It's firstly to look for clues of the hypothyroidism. And secondly, it's to, to look for clues of other common diseases of older cats which may have the similar uh, presentation, similar clinical signs. So things like kidney disease and diabetes. So our general broad brush um, routine haematology, biochemistry and urinalysis screening tests fall into this category. And our haematology, which looks at red blood cells, white blood cells and platelets, might find in a cat with hypothyroidism that they have a slightly higher number of red blood cells and slightly higher number of white blood cells um, as, a, as a clue of hypothyroidism. But probably the most useful clue is actually on our biochemistry test, where we look at things like kidney and liver function, where it's extremely common to find that the liver enzymes, uh, ALT and ALP, are the abbreviations for the two most commonly tested liver enzymes, are increased. So in a cat with hypothyroidism, usually we'll have a mild to moderate increase in liver enzymes um, as, uh, as the main change that we see on our biochemistry. And finally, from a urine perspective, um, typically in a cat with hypothyroidism, the concentration of the urine can be a little bit reduced as a result of that increase in thirst that you see um, in the hypothyroid cat. So the urine-specific gravity, the measure of urine concentration, may be a little bit below that 1035 cutoff that we use. Um, but importantly, also, our urine tests can help to rule out diabetes mellitus as another potential cause of that reduction in urine-specific gravity and similarly our blood tests for kidney function will help to check for concurrent kidney disease. The sorts of other illnesses that we are looking to um, rule out that could be uh, accounting for the clinical signs similar to hypothyroidism in our cats uh, would include 
typically things that I've already mentioned like chronic kidney disease and diabetes but also gastrointestinal disease inflammatory bowel disease for example and also diffuse uh, bowel tumors uh, can be an important cause of weight loss in an older cat so we want to try and and look at our individual cats look at their presentation the clinical signs they're showing and make sure that we have to the best of our ability ruled out some of these other possibilities through doing our thorough examination and our thorough um, history and uh, uh, blood results and urine results as well. And then the second important test to do in terms of confirming the diagnosis would be um, typically our total T4 test. So this is the, the generally recommended test to screen for hypothyroidism um, and usually is an extremely re reliable um, and uh, single test simple result uh, test to do to confirm the possibility. Um, and practices now have a way a variety of ways they can assess t4 some will have in-house equipment that can assess this others will need to send it to a reference laboratory um, but for the most part actually the t4 test is all you need to do to confirm the diagnosis now there's always a few cats that don't like to read the textbooks and try and confuse us a little bit where we might get a normal result on the total t4 test and in that situation if we're still suspicious as clinicians that hyper thyroidism is a possibility there are other tests that we can go on to do and these do require sending the blood to an external laboratory um, and the two most commonly and most helpful tests to do in this situation are what's called the free t4 um, which is t4 that's uh, circulating free within the blood as opposed to bound to protein and also um, the TSH test, the thyroid stimulating hormone test, which is measures this hormone produced uh, by the pituitary that uh, normally controls uh, how much thyroid hormone the thyroid produces. And in cats with hyperthyroidism, the free T4 and the total T4 are typically high and the TSH levels are typically low. And sometimes we need all three of those in combination to provide an answer. But happily, probably at least nine times out of 10, the total T4 is all we need to do and actually very straightforward in giving us the answer. Before starting treatment, there are a, a few other things to just consider um, in terms of our shopping list of, of assessments. Um, firstly, blood pressure assessment, if not already done, um, is really important where at all possible because we know that it's quite common for cats with hypothyroidism to have high blood pressure. And whether or not it's caused by the hypothyroidism uh, or not is irrelevant to a certain extent in that if your cat has high blood pressure, then there is a real value to that being treated. It will really protect their quality of life, their eyesight and, and uh, many other things as well. So uh, looking for and identifying hypertension um, is really important where possible. The routine lab profiles, I've also already talked about why those are so important in terms of looking for the clues of the hypothyroidism, but also even following diagnosis to look for presence of other conditions that might affect our management strategy or other things that we might find that would benefit from treatment. 
A heart assessment, a detailed heart assessment is not normally required in cats with hypothyroidism, even though they have this very, very fast heart rate, heart murmur and a gallop rhythm. For the most part, that doesn't actually have um, significant uh, implications on the heart function for them in terms of, of their day-to-day -day existence. Um, but a small number of cats actually will develop heart problems that are more severe and need a heart ultrasound. But in general terms, uh, that's not needed, which is why I've put a cross next to it uh, on the slide. And similarly, although the liver values are increased on a blood test, we don't normally need to do further diagnostics uh, for, from a liver perspective because um, in actual fact, uh, the, as long as the, the liver changes are compatible with the hypothyroidism, so the results are, are not absolutely sky high, we know that this is something that will um, respond to management of the hypothyroidism. So we don't need to worry about it. And liver function, again, in terms of day-to-day -day existence is, is not compromised. So that's really a run through of hypothyroidism, the start of the story. Um, and, and we've obviously talked uh, today a lot about the sort of clues uh, that we can look for with weight loss in spite of a good appetite, an increase in thirst and behavioral changes being some of the more obvious ones to remember. Um, but next time uh, we meet up, we're going to talk more about the treatment options. And there are a number of different options available. And as I've already shown you with Anna at the very start of this, presentation um, we typically do get really good results with treatment so it is um, if you're going to have an illness it's one of the better illnesses to have I would say because there are good chances that we can stabilize it but we'll talk more about treatment options uh, uh, at the next session and in the meantime, uh, other resources that you may find of interest on the website include the book that I've mentioned, but also um, the Feline Health blog, uh, which is under the helpful info menu. Um, one of the blogs uh, from last year was on hypothyroidism, and it brings together a number of resources um, that are on the website and uh, that you might find helpful to support you if you have an interest in learning more about this topic. And then very finally, I just wanted to mention um, that we have got some surveys open at the moment. And thank you very, very much if you've already done uh, uh, any or all of these surveys as appropriate. Um, but uh, if you haven't, uh, just a reminder of what's open. So um, we have two surveys on telemedicine at the moment. This is uh, due to COVID, of course, we've often not been able to um, directly see our clients and you've not been uh, as easily able to directly see your vets and so phone video and email consultations have been taking place so we have got two surveys on this one from a veterinary professional perspective for vets and nurses and one for uh, cat owners and uh, if you're able to complete that we would be really really grateful um, and then we also have uh, still open a survey on early neutering of cats so pre-puberty neutering of cats which is uh, a study a vet student at Edinburgh Vet School is doing and is very interested in, in views from cat owners and veterinary professionals. And then lastly, um, we're interested in the prevalence of um, strabismus, which is uh, the medical word for a squint, and nystagmus, which is flickery eyes in certain breeds of cats. So for example, ragdoll cats often will have this. It doesn't have uh, major health impacts, but uh, we're keen to learn more about how common it is um, and uh, a little bit more about um, any cats that have it. So if, uh, if you think your cat might be uh, applicable for that, there's a whole list of breeds on that page, um, then uh, we would be really grateful if you would uh, have a look at that and complete as appropriate. 
So thank you very, very much for joining me again. And I will be very happy now to uh, look in the chat box and see if there are any questions or you can unmute yourself and, and ask a question. Thank you very much. Thanks again for listening to this session. For more information, please visit vetprofessionals.com. You can find YouTube recordings of all Cat Cafe sessions on the video tutorials page. To find the video tutorials page, click on the helpful info menu on the home page. Don't forget that you can also attend future Cat Cafe sessions live and have the opportunity to ask questions and show me a picture of you and your cat on video if you like. You can read more about how to access these sessions and also see the upcoming timetable on the video tutorials page of the website. Lastly, if you found this podcast helpful, don't forget to subscribe and add a review. Thank you.